Growing the Game with Ballsy is a podcast dedicated to growing the game of football in Saskatchewan. Each week, Michael Ball will talk with rider guests, but he'll also highlight amateur athletes, coaches, and builders in this province growing the game we love. Now, here's Ballsy. And thanks for your support of this podcast as I'm into my sixth year of this labor of love, and thanks to the sponsors that have helped me to do that. One of our title sponsors is Regina Sports Performance Center in Aubrey Stedman over there at 1464 Broadway Avenue in Regina. It's a training center for elite athletes in the Queen City and surrounding area. The facility features an on-site veteran therapist in Scott Anderson. They've got 50-yard football slash soccer fields, three-on-three basketball courts that can be converted to pickleball, and they've got a great weight and cardio facility. Our first quarter is brought to you by Face First Medical Aesthetics above Gavos on Dudney in the heart of Regina. Beat back father time in a naturally looking way with Crescinda to catch. Book at facefirst.com. She's got a great new website. My first guest is the newly appointed CEO of U Sports, Pierre Arsenault. He comes to the national job from Mount Allison University. Mr. Arsenault, you have a Regina connection, and I knew I liked you for a reason. Tell us how that connection came to be. Yeah, my, my, my very first job out of university, I finished my master's degree in Ottawa and got hired as the technical director with the Saskatchewan Hockey Association. So I was there from 96 to 99 in Regina and, and really enjoyed my time. Uh, Reggie Slack took the Rough Riders to the Grey Cup in 97 and Jim Daly was coaching, I think, then. He's uh, he's coaching in U-Sport now. He's a special teams coordinator here at St. of X in the AUS conference, and uh, great to see him in, involved in our league. But, yeah, it was, uh, I used to remember going to Pat's games at the, I think the Agridome it was called back then, and, and really enjoyed my time there. That's awesome. That And they did a survey on the Brandt Center. It's called the Brandt Center. Now, we always call it the Orange Top, and most people gave it a three out of five. I think that's probably because it's it's a little bit older, but I'll tell you what, that's a, that's still right up there is the best junior rink for sure in the Western Hockey League, but even right across Canada. Yeah, so, you know, I, I always enjoyed going to the games. I think it was Josh Holden that was kind of the, the oh, yeah. back then in those days, and, and uh, you guys got a pretty good one again now. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, the, the energy was always great and, and uh, the rivalries. And, and, I, and when I was working with the Hockey Association, I got to travel around the province a lot and just to get to all the different communities. It was, it was something I really enjoyed. Okay, Mr. Arsenault, I talked to Dick White, who's retiring in June, friend of the show, former athletic director at the U of R. When I, I used him to set up this interview, he said, I know Pierre, he's a great dude, he'll get right back to us, and you were right on cue. So he said, best guy, he's the right guy at the right time for this job. So let me ask you, why are you the right guy at the right time for this job? Well, first of all, I, I really have enjoyed uh, having Dick as a colleague. He, he was around the table, you know, all my years, and then in retirement, he came back. And what he's done the last couple of years, we've when we've all been worrying about a pandemic, he's been really kind of building relationships and strength for U Sport and, and working closely with the members. And so it, it just has allowed you know someone like me to come into a situation that Dick has made so much better. And 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 so. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think for me, I, I, I'm leaving 13 years of being a director of athletics at Mount Allison University, and I, you know what that, I, I guess that what that allows for is is I, I've just been kind of walking the walk, and you know I've been there on game day. I, I've known the, the simplest of things like getting the chairs ready uh, on a basketball sideline, and 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 
I, I don't come in thinking that I, I understand it or know better than anyone else, but I, you know, have an understanding that the best version of us is, is always going to be if we figure out as, as member schools and as conferences uh, to kind of contribute to something together and all the things that we want individually uh, will be at their best if, if, if we can work together on it. So, you know, I, I don't come in with answers for the members. I just come in looking forward to kind of working with all the schools to see where we can take this. Came from a very small school. And I think that is kind of one of the things that makes you good for this job because, uh, you know, you have the mentality that you got to scrape and claw and button things up and do things right and leave no stone unturned to be noticed and be successful when you're at a small school. Not unlike Regina, I've always said if the Rams, and I use them as an example, if they're going to win in Can West, they've got to have everything go right. They got to, you know, they got to get have a good recruiting class, get maybe one or two guys that that would slip through the cracks from other schools, have health, and and you know have all the chips fall and, and get on a roll like similar to what they did in 2000 and uh, when Noah Pickton was quarterback in here too and they finished first in their conference. But here's my thing, my question to you, Pierre Arsenault. What is your vision to make people excited again about U sports or get them excited about U sports? Because my son's down south and I don't want to make this about my son and I know it's apples and oranges, but when you go to a game in Little Grand Forks and there's a football game, everybody's wearing green, white, and black. Everybody's into it, even if they're not going to the game. I realize it's not the same thing, but how do we capture some of that and bring it here? Because it's missing here. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I think the good part of the system is we all want that. We all, what you just described is, is, is something that we're all kind of supportive and interested in. And, and um, I, I think when, when you look at it, that, and that whenever you're trying to get somewhere or sell something, it's always important whether you have a product and whether there's any substance to your product. And, and so the opportunity we have is that there is tons of substance to our product. And, and every week, the story of our student athletes just gives us such content rich opportunity to, to, uh, to build interest. And, and, you know, I think coming out of the pandemic in our lifetime, for most of us, we haven't had a pause where the things that have been in our lives and that we can take them for granted if we want have been taken away from us. And now that has happened. And so um, the moment to have uh, more gratitude and, and, and more uh, readiness to kind of engage in something that you've missed and you didn't even know you would miss it is here for us. And, and um, you know, our, our product kind of starts first and foremost uh, on each campus. And, and, and so we don't, again, we don't want to come in and say you need to do this for you sports. We want to kind of figure out ways where uh, we can connect dots and strengthen that story and, 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 and build the roads and build the pieces so that, you know, it is from Regina's campus to Canada West, and it is from Canada West to a national championship, and and um, that that there's energy that and and a national championship doesn't just be something you turn on in November or you turn on in March. It's something that um, we all feel it kind of building through what happens in a regular season, what happens in conference championships, and so you know, I we, we want to make sure that. Um, we understand how to kind of take this moment where people are, are have missed something and, and um, want it back. Can we work with our broadcast partners better to to promote uh, all your sports? Like, you know, uh, I look at uh, football. It's on at the end. Well, it's on regionally, but it's on at the end nationally. But, you know, it's on, you know, CBC comes in at the end, and thank goodness for them. They they uh, You can stream the semifinals, and then you do get the national championship, so I give them credit for that. But is there some way we can work together to, to promote this thing? Because I'll give you an example. 
I did a top 50 Can West YouTube show where just on my own, low budget, kind of like the NFL Top 100. I, I interviewed coaches and players and media guys anonymously and got them to pick me the top 50 players in Can West last year, okay? I've gone to try to do this again this year because for me, it's a passion. Football is a passion, but I like all sports. I think we need to promote our own here in Canada. We don't do a good enough job of that. I only had one coach reach out to me, and I'll give him credit, was Mark McConkie. He did it in 10 minutes with the Rams. Everybody else has, I've asked him three, four times. They don't know if they can do it or they haven't done it. I know they're coaches and they got their own things to do, but there's a entertainment aspect of this that we're missing at the various levels that I think everybody needs to sit down and understand we are in the entertainment business too. Yeah, you know what, Michael, you're right about that. And, and, and the, the, it, it's an interesting dynamic because, um, you know, we all want people to be interested and follow what we're doing, but it's hard to kind of sometimes get um, the criticism or the challenge that comes along with people being engaged and caring about what we're doing. And, and, and um, I, I, you know, th- there have been a lot, th- these are complex issues. Yes. I don't expect to, uh, to pretend to kind of come in on, one, on day one with answers all the answers figured out and there are a lot of people that have worked away at this but but you know what you said i mean we we do people like you that are kind of trying to be on the right side of telling our story and promote our product it is um that that is important we need to find ways to kind of make sure that we service that the the, the answer to kind of maybe some of those challenges is that there's too many people in the system that have too many sets of responsibilities and mm. and 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 there but but that's not a but that's fine. If we let that be the excuse, then we don't get the result of, of building capacity and building brand. And, and, and so um, trying to kind of support to make sure that we, we can do our part to kind of when, when media partners are ready to help and, and, and can kind of um, deliver on our part that will help create opportunities for us. Pierre, I don't expect you to have all the answers. You're just into this, so I get it. And I'm looking forward to working with you and watching how you work. But I got one more question for you, okay? The Vanier Cup has been out east for a while. I've heard there's Vanier Cup fatigue out there in terms of, you know, maybe it should move around. Any thoughts uh, here this year? I haven't heard where the Vanier Cup's going. That's the pinnacle of football. And that's really the sport where I'm not saying we're in the game to produce professional athletes. But we got the combine this weekend down east. Yeah, a lot of pro athletes uh, come from U Sports. We need to market this one gem. We're, like, do you, can you? Where do you see the vision of the Vanier Cup going? I guess is what I'm asking. Well, well, my, the the quick answer to that is that we, we all share a vision. I think everybody, and you know, I, I've been, I've been, I've found uh, count myself very fortunate that I've been worked the last 13 years on the campus of one of the 27 football schools in the country. And um, it, it's been a great experience. And so everybody kind of involved and around Canadian university football wants to see the Vanier cup at the healthiest place it can be. Uh, it's got such a great history. I mean, I come from a school that played it in 84 and in 91, and mm-hmm. I know how much that has meant to this, to our story here. And, and so, yeah, the, what, before the pandemic hit, um, we, you know, you were seeing this kind of series of uh, short-term kind of uh, solutions to have the game and host the game, while in the background there was a lot of work being done on the longer-term solution to fix this and fix it for real. And and then the pandemic kind of pauses a lot of that effort. But I know um, there's been a lot of good work going into kind of looking at w- what is the longer-term option to this, because you know, and 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 I would say the actions of the last couple of years were not. They're, they are not the reflection of the long-term plan for this. We want to kind of have 
a, a strategy around kind of making sure that this is kind of one of those pinnacle products that that gives us as much lift as, as it can because you know that's what the history of this game is and that's what it deserves and that's the opportunity that we have with it yeah you know what and i loved when you guys uh, before you were there but you were in the league you were in the circles when they had it at 2011 there the, the the overtime game in bc and then 2012 the next year in toronto they had a great crowd in bc and the biggest crowd they ever had the next year and then it kind of went away i'd love somehow i know logistically in regina it could be an issue with hotels and stuff but why not put it in saskatoon on the same weekend we need to i think I think we need to mesh the Vanier Cup with the CFL's pinnacle game, two storied leagues. I just think we could make a great Canadian football weekend and we should try to do that. Yeah, and, and I, I think a lot of football people would agree. And in, in the 2011, I remember being, you know, our team wasn't playing in it, but I was home painting our, our bedroom and hadn't <laughs> watched that entire game because it was so captivating and you don't forget it. And, and, and and so I, I you know I, I there 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 was a lot of work down the road of kind of saying and there's scheduling complexities and the leagues the, the the playoff games didn't fall on the you know within a week on the right spot a, a couple of years ago and then like I said everything has been kind of paused by the pandemic but but um, the spirit of why that is a good idea uh, people don't struggle with we just kind of figure out the details of it Pierre thanks for taking time out of your schedule you're welcome on the show anytime if you want uh, to chat in the future i'd be more than happy to take your call and hopefully you'll take my call too because we need to work together to promote our athletes thanks for your time uh this is a a pleasure thanks for having me and the second quarter of growing the game with ballsies brought to you by paul waldo at royal LePage in regina getting the real estate game with the three-time great cup champ at 306-502-5355. As many of you know that listen to this podcast, Waldo's an assistant coach at the U of S, so he is smiling like a butcher's dog that Regina's own Charlie Parks is headed north to continue his football career. This dude is probably the best defensive end to come out of Regina since Nick Daly, who's now a member of the Rough Riders. He is also a wrestler who won the city championship in wrestling, and I believe you're a basketball player too. So if you have to pick one sport, Mr. Parks, which sport are you taking? I mean, it's a, it's a hard, hard choice, but I think I'm going to have to pick football. Okay. Did you fall into wrestling? Did you just kind of show up and wrestle, or how did that work? Um, well, so I was a single sport athlete, and I was like, you know, this kind of boring. Um, <laughs> and I was looking for other sports that like kind of tied into football that I could do. And I looked at wrestling, I was like, oh, so this is literally just tackling as a sport. I mean, might as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I decided to I decided to wrestle, and apparently I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty good, I'd say so. A city champion now going for the provincial championships. When do, when do the provi- uh, provincial championships take place for wrestling, Charlie? Uh, not this weekend, but next weekend in Saskatoon. Okay, cool. So, Charlie, who has helped you out in the wrestling game? In terms of coaching or maybe fellow teammates, you want to give a shout-out? Um, my high school coach, Leo McGee, used to coach for the Cougars team before they got axed. Yeah. And uh, Sheldon didn't have a wrestling program before he came here. So, I mean, I wouldn't be a wrestler if it wasn't for him. Love, I love Leo McGee, man. And, yeah, that was a brutal, brutal decision at the U of R, getting rid of wrestling. What a 
that is that was a successful program. That's yeah. Uh, just get every, rid of wrestling and keep their hockey team. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm not against keeping the hockey team, but I'm telling you, the wrestling. Come on, give me a break. Okay, basketball. Oh, yeah. Are you good at basketball? What are you playing basketball, Charlie? I'm a center. Center. Okay, and uh, and uh, how do you like that game? I really like it. I'm not super good at it, but um, I'm. I really enjoy doing it. So I got my son to play high school basketball. I was never great at it, but he he was a, he's a pretty good athlete. I got him to play because he was a receiver back then. I said, "Hey, you're gonna touch the ball lots. It's gonna help with your cardio. You're you know you'll catch the ball lots." And I think basketball players are great athletes. Is that kind of how you looked at it? Yeah, pretty much. I looked at. It, I was like, I'm the biggest. I'm a pretty good athlete at my high school. I might as well try out for basketball, and then. After tryouts, I pretty much got told by my coach, "You're too athletic to cut, so we're going to keep you around so and teach you to teach you a thing or two." It's pretty. Where do you get your humor from, mom or dad? You're a pretty funny guy, it seems like. Um, I don't know. I'd have to say my dad. My mom's pretty straightforward. My yeah. dad likes to horse around a little more. Yeah. Have you ever been grounded? Uh, yes. Yeah. Mom ground you or dad ground you? Mom. Mom. Okay. What were you grounded for? Can you tell us? Oh. Uh, I forget. There's been a couple times, just just random little stuff. Yeah, like, do you have any siblings, brothers, sisters, Charlie Parks? Yeah, I have a little sister. Her name's Paige. Oh, so you're probably picking on her, maybe pulled her hair or did something, uh, you know, bugged her till your mom said, that's it, you're grounded? Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny uh, that. Yeah, okay, yeah, now you're going to be a politician. <laughs> what do you want to be? How big are you, by the way? I'm 6'6", six, six, 220 pounds. Six? What did you say? Say that again? Six foot six, two hundred and twenty pounds. Have you always been the biggest guy, Charlie? Like what, growing up, were you always the biggest guy? Did you have to play up in RMF and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, yeah. So do you yeah. like? Was that? Did you face any bullying or weird looks? I know that sounds kind of weird when you're the big guy, but like you know what I mean. If you stand out in a crowd, people look at you funny. Yeah, yeah, I I did in elementary school because I was I wasn't ever like as athletic as I am now. I. Mm. Like I really like stretched out and leaned out a lot, and got athletic. I was never really super athletic. I was just big. Mm-hmm. Who do you look up to? Like the the Chargers just got Khalil Mack in the AFC West for a second and sixth rounder. Is there anybody you watch in the NFL at the DN spot, or in U Sports, or in the, the CFL? Um, I like to watch like the Bosa, so Nick and Joey Bosa, and then uh, a lot of Von Miller as well. Do you watch the CFL? Yes. Okay. Do you like the CFL? I do. I really love this. I really love the CFL. How do we get more young people like you, at a high schooler going into university, into the CFL? Um, I don't know. I, I, I really think you just kind of got to do it, or you don't. Yeah. But like, but yeah. like, how? Do, but how do we get you guys turned on to it? Like, you know, where you look at and instead of saying Bose is the first guy you look at, maybe you say Willie Jefferson. How do we get that mind shift? Um. It's not. It's not really like uh, which game, like American versus Canadian thing, that turns me on. It's. It depends on like, you see guys similar to yourself in either league that you like watching. Mm-hmm. So do you like watching so, Willie Jefferson? He's six five, six six. He's a building with feet. Yeah, I do. I real. I do like watching Willie Jefferson. I like watching all those guys. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's just Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa. Von Miller, those are the household names that I like. When people ask me, "Who do you model your play style after?" Mm-hmm. You kind of have to use those 
household names for people that maybe aren't fans of the CFL so that they know as well. Sure. Okay, lastly, Charlie, we're short on time. Why the heck does Charlie Parks go to the U of S Huskies? Um, I think they're building something special, and I want to be a part of it. Like, we made a Vanier Cup run this year, lost to the Western Mustangs, but um, I don't know. I just The coaches and the culture that they're building there seem really well, and I think I fit into them really nice, so I, that's where I decided to go. Well, Charlie, I, uh, I enjoyed watching you this year. I was doing some public address for high school. I'm a friend of your coach, Chris Latimer's over there at uh, Sheldon Williams, and uh, my first time talking to you it was a treat, man. I appreciate it. Hopefully we talk yep. down the line, and I can't wait to see how you do. Yes, sir. Thank you. And we kick off the second half of this installment of Growing the Game with Ballsy, recognizing another title sponsor, Advantage Collision in Saskatoon and Prince Albert, your SGI-accredited auto body repair shop. They're a family-owned and a certified collision care OEM-approved auto body shop. They provide comprehensive service as part of a worldwide network of best-in-class collision repair shops. Their customer service team can manage the entire process on your behalf to ensure everything you need is taken care of. And their high-performing, technically advanced team of auto body experts knows how to deliver exceptional workmanship and service in the shortest time possible. Choose Advantage Collision because they care about your safety. And our third quarter is brought to you by Hammer Time Roofing, Saskatoon's only certified roofing business. They specialize in GAF, CertainTeed, and Malarkey roofing products and offer a manufacturer's warranty. Give Kevin a call at 306-262-ROOF. Time to catch up with U-Sports Football Coach of the Year, U of S Huskies headman Scott Flory, who had four players recently taking part in the CFL Combine. Let's talk to Canadian Football Hall of Famer, Coach of the Year in U-Sports and Football. Hey, Flory, Coach of the Year, yeah. how does that sound? Where does that rank on your list of accomplishments, you Canadian Football Hall of Famer? Well, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm not too worried about it. I, just trying to, just trying to coach my guys and trying to win, uh, win championships, man. I, I, I don't know. It's that's that personal stuff. That's that's after you're done, you can reflect on all that stuff. Yeah, that's what everybody says. But come on, man, we're friends. That had to mean something to you to be recognized for your efforts. I mean, the team helped you. I know you know that. You know you know that. But just how does it feel to be recognized amongst your peers? Yeah, no, yeah, no, I, I get it. Trust me, I do, but it, it doesn't change one iota. Like, yeah, sure, everybody likes to feel good and all that stuff. Yeah, but it's not, it has zero bearing <laughs> on on anything, on how on how we're going to do. I'm always trying to, you know, look forward and find the next one and trying to win the next football game and uh, just trying to make our program better. Came up one game short, and it was a, it was a great run, man. Is there one moment that you really – enjoyed over another moment i know you wanted to win the whole thing but prior to that was there one moment that you enjoyed or that's that you reflect on can you give us one or two of them uh you know what i honestly i go back to like we had the ability to practice over the summer kind of you know the 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 reins were taken off a little bit because of the pandemic and we're actually allowed to get back to football uh and looking back at that first time that like our 2022 team was able to get together in the summer we had a little bit different program than you know a lot of other teams everybody kind of did their own thing that was really, um, you know, I think that was really special. That really kind of set the foundation of, of the the expectations that we had. And we've got really high standards uh, up here. Um, that and then obviously the, the time being able to, to spend out in Quebec, uh, being able to, to stay out there. Uh, we won the, the UTEC Bowl in Montreal and to be able to stay and play the Vanier Cup in Quebec City. 
you know, unfortunately, we came up six points short, but um, but we're ever searching to find those six points. Well, yep. seven actually. Yeah, yeah, seven. What was that like to to that that was a thrilling victory in the semifinal matchup to to ensure you'd play in the final and get to hang around an extra week in Quebec. That was outstanding. Yeah, I'm just so proud of the guy. I mean, I don't think uh, the TV really did it justice the amount of the noise level. That was the loudest uh, that like I've played a lot of loud stadiums, a lot of games, and all that kind of stuff. But the fans and everything and the proximity and the noise uh that was the loudest thing i've ever been a part of um and just the way our guys handled it and and go in there into their home turf and be able to to beat a really good football team um that was that was pretty special does a game like that make you a better coach and if so how does that make you a better coach because you've played in in a heated environment where you can go on the field and control things that's got to make you helpless to be on the sidelines and not be able to control it but how did that make you a better coach well, listen, experience doesn't make you more talented, <laughs> but but it does help make you a little bit smarter. So, you know, I've been there as a player, uh, both in, in, in university, played in three venue cups, and then as a player in the, in the CFL and, uh, you know, playing in great cups and winning and all that kind of stuff. But it's different as a coach when you get to those bowl games and you get out of conference, you get on the national stage. Um, you always take a little bit of it. So I think I'm a little bit smarter. Uh, I think our whole staff is. Um, you know, a little bit more experienced, a uh, little bit better understanding of the, of the road uh, ahead. And then also our players to play in an environment like that. Um, that's invaluable. Um, so it really is. I think we'll be better without it. They'll be better for it. This is Regina Scott Flory, coach of the U of S Huskies, Canadian Football Hall of Famer with the Montreal Alouettes. I asked Coach Dickey this. I've asked uh, the, a couple of team presidents this. How do you define success? Like, take the Hardy Cup, take the Vanier Cup and everything away. Wins and losses, whatever. On a daily basis, how does Scott Flory, as the leader of 70, 80, 90 men in a program, how do you define success for yourself? Uh, man, I just I tell our guys all the time, there's no such thing as, as like stasis. We're just trying to get better each and every day. So there's a lot of ways that, that you you know you look at it. We got four guys going through to the national combine. I'm proud of those guys. That's a you know that that's a little bit of a success metric there. Uh, proud of them, all that kind of you know. But it's it's we're just trying to get better every day. I think that um, you know I've, I've seen it throughout my life and career. The second you think that. You know, you got to figure it out. You're dead wrong, and you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna feel it uh, some way somehow. Um, so yeah, we're just we are we're just we're just we love football. And we're just trying to get better every day. And I know it may sound cliche, whatever, all that kind of stuff, but it's just a it's just a fact for us. Like success, you know, wins and losses, championships. You know, how about producing good young men? How about being good stewards in the community? How about student athletes? How about you know? Um, you know the academic side of things, and just how about being good people? So that those are there's a lot of it that goes into it for us, and uh, we try to all encompass it in our program. Scott Flory, we were talking about uh, coaching. Who did you look up to? Uh, you know, in terms of coaching, is there anybody you like? Do you lean on a Mark Tressman still? Is there anybody you get advice from? Like I've said to other guys, when I get advice, I go to fellow radio announcers or you know Big Perry Nias. I go to him because he's been in the industry a long time. I pick his brain. Who do you go to to talk to? Yeah, from a colleague standpoint, like uh, you know, across the country, I you know, uh, there's some. I've got some good friends uh, out east, especially with you know Brad Collison, Glenn Constant, guys like this. Like uh, programs across on, on a peer-to-peer level, uh, no issue. Coach Doby's been, you know, we've got a great relationship in dealing with him and, um, and and everything within our conference and everything too. Uh, obviously, Brian Towers was a big influence of being able to coach under under him, play under him, coach with him, and then have him. He was with us the whole time in the, at the Vanier Cup run and everything. And I think it was a 
pretty remarkable thing for our, our, our athletic department to bring them out. So BT has been a huge resource, uh, obviously. And then, yeah, I think professionally, uh, you know, posthumously, but uh, uh, Coach Don Matthews was a huge influence uh, mm. on me. And then modern day would be Mark, Coach Trustman. I mean, he he helped me kind of get this job, and he was a reference for me. Mark's still a good friend of mine. We still communicate uh, quite often. And, um, yeah, he, he just, uh, as a guy and a, as a resource, uh, was an outstanding man. You know, I think it's great when a guy like him who isn't Canadian comes to our league and sends out a tweet like he did the other day, and he's going to come on our show mid-April to talk about it, uh, how he doesn't, he hopes they don't change the game because it's a beautifully conceived game. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're on the same page as him because if we change at the CFL level, we got to, every you know what goes downhill, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. I remember like our first season, our first training camp in Montreal, I think his mind was kind of blown. He'd be like, you can do what? What? Like, he, he, <laughs> But you know what? For a guy like that who once called 62 passes in an NFL football game as a coordinator, like that was kind of his – like he loved it, a former quarterback. So to be able to throw the ball in every down – I'll never forget, though, as an offensive lineman, wasn't always my <laughs> favorite thing. But we called, the, in Hamilton, we called 25 straight dropbacks, and half of them were seven steps. And I, I had both losses at that point. So we got to run the ball at some point, Cole. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, a guy like that, he, 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 grew, he understood it. He grew to love it and, and, and the nuance of it and, and took advantage of it. Scott Flory, you got four guys going to the National Combine. Nathan Jerry, Riley Pickett, Noah Zur. And Adam Mackert, just um, you know, collectively, individually, those guys are all studs. Do you think they all have a legitimate shot to turn some head? Well, I know Noah Zer's high on the list, but how about those other three guys? Yeah, absolutely. They all deserve to be there. Unequivocally, deserve to be there. Uh, and and they will all test incredibly well. Uh, I have the complete confidence in that. I just met with them here not long ago, and just telling them you know hey you're going to meet with teams that's kind of the the personal profile you're going to do the physical testing that's the physical can you can you make that leap to pro football how do you stack up against our guys and then there's the on field from a talent standpoint how do you how are you going to be able to make that that leap are you fast enough are you cognitive enough or you know can you perform uh, when you need it uh, when you need to perform uh, and those are kind of the you know the list uh, tests there of professional sport uh, they put you in that high pressure environment man and I think all those guys I, I don't control it but I hope they all get the opportunity to get drafted uh, and that was just kind of my closing mark to all these guys remark is just it's an opportunity you could go first you could go 88 <laughs> it doesn't matter it is the opportunity and what you do with it and these guys have an opportunity this weekend to show who and what they are uh, and I think that they will all uh, do incredibly well and, and wish them nothing, nothing but the best. I think I can Google it on this Google machine, but I'll just, you're, you're what, early, mid-40s. Um, you have a great background in terms of football locally in Regina to Saskatoon to the CFL. We talked about Canadian Football Hall of Famer. We talk about the coach of the year. So you got the resume. How do you stay relevant with the young dudes, though? It's it's a change. It's a, it's a fluid thing, man. They don't... They used to tell Scott Flory and Michael Ball when we played football, me to a lesser extent, run here, do this, and you didn't ask questions, you just did it. Now you got to tell them why they're doing it. That's an extra challenge in the new way of coaching. How do you stay relevant, Scott? Uh, adaptability, man, 100%. You look at Pete Carroll, how is he relevant? The guy's 70-some years old. He is adaptable, and I think that for progress in any any business especially in football because it changes what's old is new and it happens maybe a little bit quicker the the cycles but you have to be adaptable uh and and yeah yeah so yeah i'm getting older these guys are staying the same age but i've got to be able to one that adjusts uh and be able to adapt to to what's going on everybody's kind of got 
you know, their, their own little things and your steadfast, uh, you know, your, your program staples, right? Like your, mm-hmm. your, your mission statement, all that kind of stuff, but you've got to be able to adapt. And if you can't, um, you know, I, I mean, you, you just won't be relevant for them. Man, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Congratulations on your team success this year. You're set up for another nice run this coming year and, of course, on your Coach of the Year. Scott, thanks for this, man. I appreciate it. You take care, okay? Appreciate it, Baldy. You bet. All the best. And we're going to switch things up for this fourth quarter of Growing the Game with Ballsy. Josh Haggerty from Regina, who played defensive back with the Huskies, turned heads last summer in the CFL as he made the Toronto Argonauts and earn the nickname Swaggerty. Well, now his sister Hannah is heading to Nationals as a track star with the U of R. Let's ask her, who is more talent, her or Josh? Hannah Haggerty, U of R, track and field superstar. See how I rhymed that there? That's awesome. That should be on a business card. How are you today, Hannah? I'm doing good, thank you. How are you? Good. You're, uh, you are You sound nervous. Don't be nervous. I'm not going to hurt you. Who'd you get your athletic talent from, your dad or your mom? Um, Maybe a little bit of both, but probably mostly my brother. <laughs> oh, your brother. Okay. Yeah. Do you look up to your brother? I do, yep. He's yeah. always been one of the biggest role models in my life. So, yeah, I would say I definitely look up to him. So here's a better question for you. Who's got better hair, you or your brother, Hannah? Um... I'd have to give it to myself. Yeah, I think so too. Honestly, I think so yeah. too. How do you ever wonder how that guy, your brother Josh Haggerty, gets his hair into his helmet? And have you ever helped him put his helmet on? Ah, uh, no, I have never. But I always wonder that because he does have a lot of hair. Yeah, no kidding. Tell us what events you compete in. What are you? What, you're a you're a Swiss Army knife on the track. Tell us what events you compete in. Um. Okay. So my main event is long jump, and then. I'm also a part of the 4x2 relay team, and then I also compete in sprints. So um, 60 meter, 100 meter, um, obviously 200 meter. Um, yeah, those are the ones I focus on. Let's go through some of these, okay? Uh, what's the key? I, I always like the 100 meter. 200 was too far for me. Now, listen, I'm not comparing myself to you, okay? Like, I, 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 I raced a bit in high school, played football with your dad, actually, but uh, not, yeah, I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, I, I was much better than your dad. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, he could never cover me. Uh, so, uh, but 60 meter, what's the key to winning the 60 meter? Uh, honestly, the start is, definitely the most important part just getting strong out of the blocks um obviously it is a short race so um you do have time to get up to your top speed but definitely out of the blocks is where um would be most important what's your uh, favorite between the 100 and the 200 um last year i would have said 100 but um this year just focusing on the 200 i want to say that i think with time that could be my event Okay. How long have you been in the track and field game? Um, This will be my fifth going... I guess this is my fifth year. Yeah, so I did two years in high school and then... um, Oh, sorry, I guess this is my fourth year. Two years in high school and then this is my second year um, on the Cougars track and field, just uh, minusing last year with the COVID year, but... Obviously, you've evolved in terms of maturing and everything like that, uh, just the natural process. How much better are you today than you were when you first started? Like, uh, what's the noticeable difference? Besides, I know your body changes, but what's the noticeable difference? Um, honestly, I've improved in so many ways. Um, even as an example, my first year for the 60-meter, um, I was running 820s, um, kind of, based on times, and 
this year I've ran a 7.74, so times have improved um, a lot, and I think that mostly has to do with um, weightlifting. Um, obviously, my first year we did do it, but this year I've really found a passion for it um, and just been obviously more consistent with it. So um, I think weightlifting has probably made like one of the most um, important um, improvements in so, my so, 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 so Hannah Haggerty, you don't skip leg day like me, right? You're, you focus on the yeah, legs, no. <laughs> legs is what's your, what's the best, what's your favorite leg exercise? Um, I want to say either doing a power clean or a hang clean or a squat. Okay. And what's the, what's the one you hate? Um, legs or just in general? No legs. Um, honestly, I don't think I hate any leg exercises. I'm a big fan of legs, not so much upper upper arms but um legs i enjoy them all okay um so who's the better athlete you or your brother um well i think that's a hard one i think i'm interviewing hannah hannah i'm interviewing you not your brother yeah i know (laughs) i think just honestly just my brother with having more experience and stuff Mm -hmm. um and obviously he's been in football longer than i have been in track we've always like both been super athletic and always have grown up playing sports but um yeah i want to say at this point i'll give it to him what's your favorite accomplishment so far like you've got the fifth fastest all time at the u of r in the 60 meter i think third fastest all time in the four by 200 meter and long jump i think the fifth longest if i'm not mistaken what's your favorite accomplishment there so far i want to say long jump it's been something that i've always been passionate for and um something that i've really worked um hard on and last year i was jumping 569 meters and this year um my new pb right now is 580 but um i'm hoping when i go to nationals that that will obviously improve but um i think just being super consistent with long jump and i think um how much i have improved just with like technique wise and stuff that's probably one of my best accomplishments okay tell us about the nationals when do they take place and uh, how can we follow along your exploits um okay so they are from we leave march 28th but they take place from april 1st to april 3rd um there will be a live stream available and yeah it's in new brunswick Mm -hmm. which is super exciting so yeah i'm honestly just looking forward to going and giving it my all and having no regrets i'm competing in long jump right now i'm sitting six in uh, Canada right now with that so I'm competing in that and then also I'm a part of the 4x2 relay team and we are sitting 7th I believe so yeah 4x2 relay team and long jump nice so what's your yeah. what's a realistic goal for you Hannah Haggerty for the long jump as you sit 5th right now in the individual sport what's a realistic goal I think knowing my potential and knowing what I can jump I don't think I have proven my potential yet so I think a realistic goal or what I'm aiming for is obviously to medal. Um, I have had pretty good jumps. Obviously, they were faults, but I know what I have in me and I know what I have to give. So I think, honestly, aiming for the podium would be a realistic goal for me. All right, we're going to wrap this show up talking about an email I got from Mike McCullough and his wife, Laura. And this is how the email reads. And if you want to read it yourself, you can go to our Sports Cage Facebook page. You should go there already, uh, like it, and we might pick you for a Sports Cage hat. Here's how the email reads. 
Although we're almost a month late, Laura and I have started our annual fundraising for Defeat Duchesne, formerly known as Jesse's Journey. We will again be doing the Founders Challenge, which is a 33 km walk to represent the 33 kilometers that John Davidson did each day for eight months on his journey across Canada. We wanted to take this opportunity to thank each person who has donated to this incredible cause in the past and to all the people who support us year in and year out. We can never properly express our gratitude. We do this in memory of her son Cole and all the other little boys who suffer from this deadly disease. There is no cure yet. That's where we come in. Please visit the link below to make a donation and help save the lives of these amazing children. Thank you so much, Mike and Laura McCullough. Now the McCulloughs didn't put me up to this. This is all on me, okay? So if you have any issues, you can email me mball at harvardmedia.com. So I'm putting that out there right now. The COVID-19 pandemic did so much damage to the world on so many different levels, including in our community. One of the ramifications is the division it has caused. Lots of hurt people. The McCulloughs didn't get vaccinated. It was their choice, and a lot of it had to do with what happened to their son, Cole. Their young boy passed away just shy of his fourth birthday 13 years ago. Imagine that mom and dad's torture. You never recover from that ever. Now, I haven't lost a child, thankfully, so I'm no expert, but I refuse to believe time heals all wounds. And the McCulloughs have four other kids. They couldn't just stop living. Mike and his wife are visible in this community. Mike's done so many dinners and fundraisers with me that I've lost count, man. And old number 45 did so many radiothons with us here at Harvard Media to help raise money for the children's hospital. In fact, he was on the board but he had to leave because I think he felt he had to due to the heat of the vaccine, anti-vaccine debate. That's what's wrong with the world, man. There's no middle ground. It's you're with me or you're against me. No middle ground, no talk it out, very little respect on both sides. Now, for the record, I'm vaccinated. I did it for my own reasons, which by the way is nobody's business. Mike and Laura didn't get it because, well, they had their own reasons, and it's none of our business either, in my opinion. I joke with Mike about not being on social media and never sending a text. He still hasn't to this day. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> he might be right. No trolling, no oral words, no taken out of context texts. That dude's the kind of guy I'd want as a father, and I sure as hell want him as a friend, because he says what he means, and he'll say it to your face. But he's also going to listen and respect your opinion. Now, I bring this up because for the last 15 years, the McCulloughs have been raising cash to defeat Duchesne in memory of their son, Cole. It's the one annual way to honor their son. Now, let's be honest, we're all tired of hearing from Mike McCullough. We're going to get enough of him during the football season on our panel. So I wanted to interview his lovely wife, Laura, the real brains in the McCullough household. Well, this morning she respectfully declined, saying, Ballsy, I think the community is tired and turned off by the McCulloughs. So we're going to ask our close friends and family for donations this time. If that's truly the case and the province of Saskatchewan is turned off by the McCullough family, that makes me really sad. This is a couple that moved from Ontario, didn't know anybody when they got here. They've set up shop in our community and stayed. Now, I said earlier in this rant that time doesn't heal all wounds, but I sure hope it does in this case. 
for people maybe towards the McCullough stance on the vaccination and on the McCullough side for them feeling hurt and shunned by maybe some friends and family and colleagues. So Regina and Saskatchewan, I encourage you to go to our Sports Cage Facebook page, read their email, and click on the link to donate. Let's get back to being the community that I know we are.